You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Praise the Lord. Well, this is week number two in our series called Set a Guard Over My Mouth. And so I want to encourage you, if you missed last week's uh, message, go ahead and go back to the website and listen to it there. But let's get into this. I want to uh, review our foundation scripture that are found there on your handout. And it's the series is based on the 141st Psalm. It says this, Psalm 141, verses 2 and 3, Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And then he said in verse 3, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And then in the contemporary English version, it says this, Think of my prayer as a sweet-smelling incense and think of my lifted hands as an evening sacrifice. And then I like what he says in this translation, help me to guard my words whenever I say something. And so we began last week talking about the importance of our words. Our words carry uh, a lot of weight. We'll see in a scripture in just a moment how much weight they do carry. But in Proverbs, the 18th chapter, in the 20th and the 21st verse, it says this, a man's stomach or his belly, the old King James says, meaning the the core of your life shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, from the produce of his lips, or can we say this way, from what your lips produce, your life shall be filled, verse 21, and here's where it really is important, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those that love it will eat its fruit. So if you're taking notes, the one point that we made last week, and I wanted to review this point because it's very, very important. And based on this scripture, how many of you believe the word of God? Okay. So based on this scripture, it says from the, what your lips produce, you are filled. So Write this down, please. Your life is filled with what your lips are producing. Your life is filled with what your lips are producing. So the words that you're speaking, based on the Word of God, I didn't make this up, this is Bible, but what the, what the words of your mouth, what's coming out of your mouth, is actually shaping what is going on in your life. So I could be so bold as to Say it this way, your life today is a result of what you said yesterday. And again, I'm so glad I didn't write it because you can't get mad at me. You can get mad (laughs) at the Bible because the word is true. So your life is filled with what your lips are producing. Now, I want to ask you a question. I posed this question to you last week, and I want to repeat it again. But the question is this, how would we act if every word that we speak instantly came to pass. Like if, you know, for instance, if God was able to empower us to be able to speak, and as he did, have it instantly come to pass, would would we have a tendency to maybe guard our words a little more carefully? Would we maybe watch what we say 
a little more? And I think you would answer me and say, yes. Well, I've got news for you. Let me read Proverbs 18, 21 in the easy to read version. It says this, the tongue can speak words that bring life or death. Those who love to talk must be ready to accept what it brings. Now, that's one of those mic drop scriptures, you know, where you can kind of read it, and if you can get the gist of it, then that's the message right there. So the fact of the matter is, even though what you say may not instantly come to pass, I can tell you this, based on, uh, with confidence, based on what the Word says, your words are coming to pass. Now, it might take time, and that's the reason that a lot of times we think that we can say things and we kind of get away with it. But the fact of the matter is your words are coming to pass. They're just not instantly coming to pass, but they will come to pass. Now, I want to share with you some more scriptures just to enlighten us and show us why our, our words are important and why we need to pray that prayer from Psalm 141 and Ask the Lord to help us put a guard over our mouth. So let's look at a few scriptures from Proverbs, reading from a couple of different translations. Proverbs 12 and verse 14 says this, From the fruit of his lips a man is filled with good things as surely as the work of his hands rewards him. So what that tells us is that just like when you go to work and you are working, your work is producing something, he's telling us that the fruit of our lips is producing something as well. So the fruit of, of his lips, a man is filled with good things as surely as the work of his hands reward him. Look at Proverbs 13 and verse 3 in the Passion. It says this, guard your words and you'll guard your life. But if you don't control your tongue, it will ruin everything. Hallelujah. <laughs> kind of in your face a little bit. All right. Then let's look at Proverbs 15 and 4. It says this, when you speak healing words, you offer others fruit from the tree of life. But unhealthy, negative words do nothing but crush their hopes. So, you know, it's important, we're going to talk about this in the context of, of our series, but, you know, not only are your words impacting your life, but how many of you know your words can impact the lives of other people? You know, we have the power to be able to build people up or tear people down just simply with the words that we speak. And so this scripture tells us that when we speak, we have opportunity to bring life and healing to people. Proverbs 18 and verse 7 says this in the New King James, A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. Let me read it to you from the New Living, the same verse. The mouth of fools are their ruin, and they trap themselves with their lips. I don't know about you, but I don't, you know, I have enough challenges in life without bringing a bunch of stuff on myself by what I say. Can I get an amen? Proverbs 21 and 23 in the Amplified Bible says this, he who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from troubles. The passion of the same verse says this, watch your words and be careful what you say and you'll be surprised at how few troubles you'll have. I like that. 
So again, we can determine a lot of what happens in our life just simply by the words that we speak. So do you agree with me that your words are important? Do you believe what the Bible says? Your words matter, okay? So now I want to switch gears just a little bit and I want to give you a couple of principles from the Word of God today. These aren't new. Uh, These are things that we have covered in the past, but it's good to go back and look at them again. And so I want to uh, just give you this first one. Write this down, please. Number one is, this is the first principle, we grow our faith by feeding on and speaking God's word. We grow our faith by feeding on and speaking God's word. So let me give you this thing from this principle from the, the word of God in Romans chapter 12 and verse three. Paul said this, he said, for I say through the grace given to me to every man that is among you. Now, let me just give you a little context. He's writing this to the church at Rome, so he's writing to Christians, okay? So, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, the Christians, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly or clearly, Notice this, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, let me say, and the, King, the old King James, which is what I read from, really translates this accurately in the sense of that every born-again believer has been dealt by God the measure of faith, okay? We're, we've all been given an equal measure of faith to start with. So let me ask you a question. Do we need to pray for faith? No, we don't, okay? And you hear believers, you know, and and they mean well, and I understand, but, you know, they're praying and asking God to give them more faith. Well, you've got all the faith that you already need on the inside of you. See, and by the way, the Scripture says that we've been saved by faith faith or through faith, by grace, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now, grace is a gift of God, but he's also talking about the faith of God is a gift of God. So the good news is when you got saved, when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, God took a measure of his faith and put it down on the inside of you. So what I'm saying to us all is, is that we all, where faith is concerned, Uh, start with the same measure. He doesn't give one person more faith and another person another faith. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Well, it seems as though that so-and-so has great faith and this person over here, or even myself, I don't seem like or feel like I have, you know, great faith. I feel like I have less faith than they do. Well, the answer is really simple, and that's nothing new. The scripture, even in Jesus' ministry, Jesus recognized different levels of faith. You remember when the Roman centurion came to Jesus and said, my servant is sick, but just speak the word, and and my servant will be healed. And Jesus marveled at that, and he said, I have not found so great faith, not even in all of Israel. Now, this is a Roman uh, Gentile. He's not even... Jew, and Jesus marveled at the great faith that he had. Then on the other hand, he rebuked his own disciples when they were in the boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. You remember when a storm came up, 
Jesus is in the back of the boat asleep, and they went and woke Jesus up and said, hey, don't you care? This is my paraphrasation, but don't you care? We think to drown, all right? We're getting ready to go to the bottom. And Jesus got up, and he rebuked the winds and the wave, and then he turned to them and said, why are you so afraid, O oh, you of little faith? So we see someone with great faith. We see someone with little faith. And then Jesus turned to some folks, not his disciples, but some other folks that were, he was attempting to minister to. And he rebuked them and he said, where is your faith? Meaning they had absentee faith. There was no faith present. So what that tells us is, is that there's great faith, there's little faith, and then there's no faith. So what I want you to see is that the potential is there for all of us to have great faith. God doesn't deal uh, to one person a huge amount of faith and to somebody else little bitty faith. Okay, because why? That would be unfair and unjust. And let me tell you, nobody's going to ever be able to stand in the presence of God, point their finger in his face and say, you didn't give me enough faith to believe you. All right? So all of us have been given the same measure, the same amount of faith. Now, here's where people fail to understand. Your faith can grow. Your faith can become increased. Now, here's the good news. You're responsible for growing your own faith. God gives you the raw materials, but we're responsible to do with it what is necessary in order to grow our faith. Let me show you a verse in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. It's in the easy-to-read version. Let me see if you remember. Why, why do they call it the easy-to-read version? Because it's easy to read. I just wanted to be sure y'all remembered that. Okay. All right. So the easy to read version of 2 Thessalonians 1.3, Paul said this, we thank God for you always. And that's what we should do because you give us good reason to be thankful. Your faith is growing more and more. And the love that every one of you has for each other is also growing. Now, the two of those go hand in hand. You're not going to be able to have great faith without being able to walk in the love of God. But if you're developing and growing your faith, which you can, then the love of God can increase with that. So we know that every believer has been given the measure of faith, and you can do what's necessary to cause your faith to grow. You can feed it. You can exercise it. So when the storms of life come and they come to all of us, you can have strong faith and make it through and overcome in the storm of life, all right? So we know that the measure of faith, again, was given to everybody. Turn to somebody close by you and tell them, say, you've got what it takes. You have the faith of God. Living on the inside of you. You can grow that faith by exercising it and feeding it. Did you know that's how you can grow your physical body as well? Now, I want to ask you a question. Um, you know, I, uh, I hesitate to bring this up because I don't want to seem like a hypocrite. But that being said, 
I have a membership to Planet Fitness, okay? As you can tell, I wear out that membership. That's not funny. Okay, I'm just teasing. All right, so here's my point, okay? Everybody that, you know, short of having some type of physical issue, everybody that goes to the gym starts with basically the same raw materials. But if you, you know, you've been around long enough, you know this, that if you go to the gym repeatedly, now I went to the gym the other day, and, and one of these days I'm finally going to go in. But, um, no, I, you know, if you go to the gym repeatedly and you work out and then you exercise your body and then you feed it the right things that are good for your body and healthy, common sense will tell you that you will grow stronger, right or wrong. Okay, again, I, I, you know, I'm not trying to uh, highlight anybody or anything like that, but it, the truth is the truth, all right? So uh, some of you might say, well, yeah, and you look like you need to go in a whole lot more. Okay, but that's beside the point. But what I want you to see is, is that just like your physical body can be fed the right things and exercise, and it can grow and increase, your faith is the same way. If you feed it the right things and you use it, you exercise it, it will grow. And so we all have started with the same raw material, okay? So somebody says, well, why does it seem like somebody has more faith than someone else? The answer is that person fed their faith with the word of God, and they exercised it. You know, I can't go to the gym, and there's one of those people there, those guys there that's, you know, all developed and fit and ripped and all that kind of stuff, and get mad at him because that's not fair. You know, how come he's got such great muscles and I don't? Okay, and the, the answer is he did what it took to develop those muscles, Right? Well, we can't get mad at people that know how to believe God and receive from heaven and get mad at them because it seems like they have more of what it takes than we do. No, the answer, the simple answer is it's because they have fed their faith and they have exercised it, okay? So here's, here's what a, a point that I want you to get. I didn't put this in your notes, but God gave us the ability to be able to develop our faith, all right? How then? Well, write this down, please. When you are speaking God's word, you are building your capacity to believe God's word and in turn, grow your faith, okay? So when you are speaking God's word, you're building your capacity to believe God's word. So the way that you grow your faith is by feeding on the word of God, by hearing the word of God. Romans 10, 17 says faith comes how? By hearing the word of God and then exercising it. And one way that you can develop your faith is by speaking God's word to yourself. Again, we're talking about set a guard over my mouth. Now, the scripture is very powerful in the sense that when you fill your mouth with God's word, God has built a capacity on the inside of you 
to believe what you say. Okay? Anybody ever been around somebody that's a chronic liar? Okay. Well, you know, eventually somebody that tells enough lies, they begin to believe their own lies. Well, in the positive, God has designed all of us with the capacity. You may not believe everything I say, but I guarantee you, you believe everything you say. Think about it. Okay? So what does that mean? That means we can put God's word in our mouths and we can use that to develop our faith. Write this down, please. Faith grows with what your confession is, what you say, but your faith will never grow beyond what you say. Okay? A lot of people limit themselves spiritually by the words that they speak negatively. But God's Word teaches us that you can develop your faith, you can grow your faith simply by what you say. All right? So... Let me give you four things, and I, I put this in the notes, but I, I want to just take a moment to hit this little list for you. What are some things that you should be saying, okay? What are we to be confessing is a, a biblical word for that. So here we go. The first one is you can speak over yourself what Jesus purchased for you in his plan of redemption. Now, a lot of us are familiar with the new birth because, you know, most te churches teach and preach being born again, giving your heart to Christ. And so we're very familiar with that. But how many of you know that Jesus purchased more for us than just our salvation? In other words, he didn't just buy you fire insurance so you can escape hell. Thank God he did. And when we give our hearts to Christ, we're... Uh, we're able to experience an eternity with him in heaven. But I'm so glad the Bible teaches us that God was interested more in more than just our eternal security. He was interested in our quality of life here in the earth. Okay? The Bible's very, very clear in that. So what all did Jesus purchase for us in his plan of redemption? Well, let's look at a couple of basics. Number one, the Bible says we've been made the righteousness of God. I am right with God. It's nothing that I did, nothing I could ever do to deserve it. It's because of what Jesus did and his shed blood that I am made right with God. Okay, so I am the righteousness of God. The Bible says that he purchased for me peace. We just did a whole series on the peace of God. You, the Bible says in Isaiah that the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Jesus said in John 14, my peace I give to you. So God doesn't want us living anxious, worried, stress-filled lives. The peace of God has been, been given to us in the plan of redemption. Here's a, another thing that you can be saying over yourself. What God has done for us in the new birth and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus said that, that there was an experience after the new birth. It's taught throughout the Gospels and in the book of Acts that after being born again, there's an experience subsequent to the new birth called the infilling, or some people call it the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit lives in you at the new birth, but there is an experience where you get filled to the full and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said that, that he will empower you to become uh, witnesses for him. There are benefits that he provides for us and the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Here's the next thing that you can be speaking over yourself, and that is this, who you are in Christ. Who you are in Christ. I believe, you know, I'm of the opinion that there's a lot of Christians in the church that love God with all of their hearts, but they really don't know who they are in Christ. You know, Romans 8 says, you're more than a conqueror through him that loved you. You know, the Bible says all kinds of things that, that we are blessed. Ephesians 1 tells us that we've been blessed even before the foundation of the world. And so uh, Jesus, in 1 Peter 2.24, it says, By his stripes you are healed. So there are benefits that Jesus bought and paid for, and there are things that he made us in him. And, uh, you know, I just, just encourage you, go through... The, particularly the epistles of Paul and look for scriptures where Paul wrote and he said, you are in him. And usually there is something that is attached to that and you be, need to begin to recognize those things and acknowledge those things. The last thing or uh, number four or letter D is what, what God can do in and through us as believers. You need to understand you are anointed by God. Somebody said, well, pastor, I don't have a pulpit ministry like you do. I know you don't. But the Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 calls you a minister anyway. He says you are a minister of reconciliation. You might not be called to a full-time pulpit ministry, but you are a minister for the Lord. You are anointed by God you have a calling and you have a purpose on your life that God wants to use you to accomplish in the earth. He has called you to make a difference in this earth for his honor and for his glory and for the expansion of the kingdom of God. All of us have. And a lot of times we just attribute that to preachers and ministers and, and people like that. And, you know, we have our job to do but listen, my job is no more important than what you're called to do. Hello? Okay? You are called and you are anointed. You have a purpose and a call on your life to accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. Now, it might not be where, you know, uh, you know it, it, sometimes it's a blessing, sometimes it's not. Uh, you know, where, where you're in front of people. You know, where uh, people recognize you because of the role that you're in. You might be, you know, a, a mom that stays home and takes care of your children, but you're called and anointed to change the world through what those children are called and anointed to do. Amen? Okay, so we're all called and anointed to do something. So you need to find out from the Word of God what is it that God can do in and through you as a believer? Let me say this to you. <clears throat> if God is going to win the world, which he, he desires to do, the Bible clearly says it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come 
to the knowledge of the truth. So it is not God's will that anybody steps over into eternity separate from him. It's, that's not his plan, okay? So the scripture establishes that. But I want to also establish this for us. God does not have a plan B. If that's going to happen, it's going to happen because he uses us, his church. Not just this church, I'm talking about the church universal, but believers are called by God to make a difference. So if we're going to win people to Christ, if we're going to see the harvest won before Jesus comes back, it is going to happen because we do it. Can I get an amen? Okay. All right. Now, so I want you to understand you can grow and develop your faith as you get into the word of God and as you begin to declare things over your life. Now, to make it easy for you, let me just do a shameless plug. You know, on our website, if you go under uh, the more option at the top, there are resources that are there where you can receive and look at and download scriptures that are there for you to be able to speak over your life. We have a whole sheet of them that are just who you are in Christ, where we go through the scriptures and help you. We have healing scriptures on there. We have all kinds of things that are available for you to help you get started, okay? So you need to be speaking the word over your life. I, you know, I just, I'm not bragging on me, but I do this every day. I have scriptures in a notebook that I put together and I speak those things over not only my life, I speak those things over you. I speak those things over this church. And, uh, you know, because there are things that I'm believing God for. So I am building the capacity on the inside of me to be able to believe those things. Okay, so the principle, first principle is that we can grow and feed our faith by speaking God's word. Here's the second principle I want you to get. This is number two. We put our faith to work by speaking and acting on God's word. We put our faith to work by speaking and acting on the word of God. Now, I know there's some people in the body of Christ that have an issue with, you know, and, and rightfully so, because there have been people that have taken it to the extreme. You know, I've heard all the the names, you know, the blab it and grab it bunch, the name it and claim it group, all of that. That's extreme that I am not telling you to do, but it is based on a biblical principle. And so you can release your faith, you can put your faith to work by speaking and acting on God's word. Let me give you some scripture, and maybe if this might seem familiar to you, because let me just go ahead and cut to the chase. By speaking and believing the word of God is exactly how you got saved. By speaking and believing the word of God is exactly how you got saved. Let's go to Romans chapter five, uh, 10, rather, uh, verses 5 through 10. Very, very familiar portion of scripture. It says this, For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law, Paul said, the man who does those things shall live by them. But, verse 6, the righteousness of faith speaks. Do me a favor in your notes there. If you can, underline that word speaks or faith speaks. 
Okay? He says, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say, say, underline that, in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? Now, who is, what is the it he's talking about? Your faith. Your faith. What does your faith say? The word is near you and in your what? Mouth and in your what? Heart. Your, the, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now here's the Roman road to salvation. Everybody knows found in verses 9 and 10. That if you confess with your what? Mouth. The Lord Jesus, or Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the what? Mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So what Paul is telling us is this. There is something that happens when a person, a man, woman, boy, or girl, hears the word of God, okay? I'm sorry, I got carried away and didn't go to the next slide. Look at Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So let me explain the process of salvation. You might be in a service like this. You might be, uh, you know, back in the day at a Billy Graham crusade, or you might be watching something on television, and the gospel is preached, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he came to the earth, he bought and paid the price for our salvation through his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross, and because of that, you and I can be saved. God loves us. He cares for us. And as I said to you earlier, is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth and repentance. And so you hear that word. What's interesting is in Romans 10, 5 through 10, every time the word word is used there in reference to the word of God, it's referring to the Greek word rhema, which means an anointed word, an inspired word. So here's what happens. When a person hears the gospel, it's anointed by the Holy Spirit and is able to penetrate down into the heart of a man, woman, or boy and girl. And the revelation comes. You know what? I am lost I am undone. And if I don't do something about this, if I don't make a decision, I am going to live the rest of my life separate from God and then, God forbid, but step out into eternity when I die separated from God. And, and the good news is it doesn't have to be that way. And so because I heard that anointed word and I chose to believe that word, all right? What happens is when I believe that word, 
there is another step that has to happen. Now, I want to just pause this for one second, and I want to say this. If I had a clipboard and I went over to Carolina Place Mall, I'll bet you anything I could do a survey and I could ask people, stand at the base of the escalator and just ask people as they come down the escalator, hey, do you believe Jesus lived here on the earth? Well, yeah, I believe that. Do you believe he died on a cross? Well, yeah, I believe that. Do you believe, you know, that on Easter morning he got up, that he was resurrected? Yeah, I, I probably believe that, okay? But did you know that that is not enough to get you saved just to believe those things in your heart? It is, there is another step that has to happen and that is when that anointed word is preached to you and it gets down in your heart and you make the decision to believe it, you must say with your mouth, I believe this, I believe that Jesus died for me, and Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. When you do that, there is enough power contained in that word of God that got down in your heart to cause the greatest, not a miracle, but the greatest miracle to take place that is called the new birth. You, that somehow, and I don't understand how this happens and I can't wait to get to heaven and maybe God can explain it to me exactly how it happens. I just take it by faith because the word says that it happens. That when you believe that in your heart and you say that with your mouth, the word of God becomes alive and it causes that dead, unregenerated spirit on the inside of you to be taken out and God breathes down on the inside of you and causes something new to be created on the inside of you and you are now possessing a brand new spirit. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 that you are a new creation in Christ. Old things have been passed away and all things have become new. And all that takes place in the blink of an eye. In the moment that you believe that in your heart and you say it with your mouth. Okay? That's how you got born again. That's how you got saved. Well, I want to let you in on a little secret. That's how you're going to receive everything from God. Is by the word getting down in your heart, you making the decision to believe that word, and you open up your mouth and you say, Father, I believe what your word says, and I receive that into my life. And here's the cool thing about it. The moment that you do that, there is enough power contained in that word to cause itself to come to pass. So if you're in need of, you know, let's say you need physical healing in your body. Well, the scripture teaches that Jesus took our sicknesses, bore our diseases, and with his stripes, I am healed. So when I dare to receive that anointed word and it gets down in my heart, and if I will open my mouth and say, Lord, I believe you took my sickness, you carried my disease, and with your stripes I am healed, there is enough power contained in that one verse that gets down in my heart to cause itself to come to pass. Everything we receive from heaven comes 
that way. So write this down, please. Our relationship with Jesus begins with not only what we believe in our hearts, but what we say with our mouths. Okay? Now somebody says, well, you know, you know always get the argument. <laughs> you know, what if, what if a person can't speak? Okay? And, uh, you know, that might be a legitimate argument. But let me give you a little testimony. Um, my dad, when he was, uh, got very sick at the end of his life, and, uh, and I had the privilege of being there, and, um, and so he was in intensive care and all of that, and he had, uh, you know, the hoses and things going down his throat. He couldn't speak. You know, there was no way he could talk. And, uh, you know, I knew something of his past, uh, spiritually speaking, but I wanted to make sure because I wanted to know that I know that I know that one day I will see him again. You know, there's nothing like having that confidence. And so uh, as he was laying there, I said, Daddy, I said, I, you know, I want to make sure and, you know, and he was awake and looking at me and so forth. And uh, I said, Daddy, I'm going to pray something. And, and if you believe this with me, I want you to acknowledge it by moving your head, blinking your eyes or something, okay? All right. And so I prayed a prayer with him to make sure that, that he had given his heart to Christ. And he, his face lit up. He agreed with me. In that prayer. Now, although he couldn't say it physically, I know he believed and acknowledged what I was praying for him. Okay? So, based on that, I have confidence to know that one day I will see my Father in heaven again. All right? And, and I'm telling you, that's wonderful to be able to have that confidence and to know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. So I'm saying to you, you know, don't get legalistic with it because it would have been impossible for him to physically say something. But I know he believed that in his heart. Okay, are you listening to me? So what I'm saying to you is the first principle is you can build your capacity for great faith by speaking the word over your life. The second principle is the way that you release your faith or put your faith to work is by believing in your heart and saying it with your mouth, okay? So it's not, write this down, please. It's not just enough to believe what the word says. You must speak it if you want the results of it. Now, we're gonna, in future lessons in this series, I'm gonna show you examples from the scripture, where it points out exactly how this plays out. You know, I'll give you one right now, just a Reader's Digest condensed version. Anybody remember the woman that had the issue of blood for 12 years? Okay. The Bible says that when she heard of Jesus, the word came. In other words, she heard this man is anointed to heal. So when that knowledge came to her, it caused faith to arise in her heart. How do I know that? Because the Bible says, for she said with her mouth, if I can just but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. 
She didn't say, I'm a hoping and a praying that I'll get healed. No, she said what would happen. And guess what? It played out exactly like she believed in her heart and like she said with her mouth, and she touched the hem of Jesus' garment. You know the story, how he was going through the crowd, people were pressing up against him, and he stopped and he said, who touched me? And so uh, the Bible says that he felt power go out of him. And so just again, to get to the punchline, when Jesus confronted her and asked her, she told him her whole story, and he said to her, woman, he didn't say, my power has made you healed and whole. That's a given. I mean, that's definitely what happened. But Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say your church attendance has made you healed and whole. He didn't say you, 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 know, you went to Sunday school every Sunday for 10 years straight and that got you healed and whole. No, he said, woman, your faith has made you whole. Now, I want to ask you a question. Was Jesus anointed that whole time? Okay, come on now. Was Jesus anointed? Was the power of God upon Jesus while he was out ministering the whole time? Yes, we all would agree with that. How come everybody that was bumping up against him that day, I'm sure she was not the only one that had a need that day. How come everybody that was crowding up against him and bumping up to him, how come none of them got healed? Because it's not automatic, folks. That's what we've got to understand. That it takes you believing something in your heart. It takes you releasing your faith with your mouth. And, and I call this the heart-mouth connection. And when that connection is made and you come in contact with the power of God, you will receive from heaven. Hallelujah. Okay? So, just like if you believe in your heart that Jesus purchased your salvation, you believe it in your heart and you say it with your mouth, it causes you to be born again. By the way, as I said to you earlier, there is no greater miracle than the new birth. You could have no legs and arms and God give you brand new legs and arms. That still is not as great a miracle as the new birth. How do, what, what, why do I say that? Because, I mean, that would be phenomenal. And, and by the way, it's possible. Jesus said all things are possible. Okay? Why is the new birth the greatest miracle? Because only the new birth can cause a dead being to be reborn and come alive on the inside of you. Okay? So, I'm wanting you to see that this is the way the Word of God operates. So, if you believe in your heart that Jesus purchased your salvation, you put your heartfelt faith in there with the confession of your mouth, you can literally receive that salvation. Let me bring it to another point. If you believe the word of God says that by his stripes you were healed, you get that down on the inside of your heart and you say it with your mouth, you can be healed. Somebody said, well, I just don't know that I have the faith for that. Well, then back up and go back to principle number one. Build your capacity for that. Spend time with the healing scriptures, going over them and over them and over them. I, you know, I, I often say this testimony, but, um, you know, when I first was in this and I first heard the, 
the good news about healing and so forth. I knew it was true. I acknowledged it here. But I, I have to be honest and say, I don't know that I firmly believed it here in my spirit and in my heart. And so anybody old enough to remember old school pay phones? Okay. <laughs> uh, there might be one or two of us that aren't, but okay. How many of you remember? You know, it used to be back in the day, I think when I first remember, they, it was a dime. You remember? Okay. And, now, and then it went to a quarter and now you can't find them anywhere. All right, but you remember when you would put your coin in the top, in that slot in the top, you'd hear it go all the way down to where it fell into that thing at the bottom, and you could hear it, and then all of a sudden when that happened, you'd get your dial tone. Okay, when the Word of God gets down in your heart and goes from here to here, it, you know, just to illustrate, it, it's very similar to that coin being dropped in that payphone. In other words, there will come a moment when that revelation, that truth from God's word will go from here to here and you will know it and nobody will be able to take that from you. Let me ask you a question. Let me illustrate it this way. Anybody in here ever seen heaven? Okay, anybody ever seen the pearly gates? And the Lord Jesus and Peter at the gates and so forth and so on, okay? All right. How many of you believe that are born again in here today believe that if, God forbid, you were to take your last breath that you would go to heaven? Everybody raised their hand, but none of you have been there. I bet you anything, I can't talk you out of that. I can't, I could... You, you know, like I heard one minister say one time, you could take a baseball bat and beat me till I'm senseless. You will never be able to talk me out of that. Okay? Why is that? Because it went from here and got down here and nobody can take that from you. Well, guess what? Everything in the Bible works the same way. The only reason we're more confident in our salvation than anything else is because we've heard more about our salvation than anything else. And nothing wrong with that. But I'm saying, if you were to, to crack open the Bible and, and, you know, on our website, I mean, I think there's 70 some odd scriptures that declare healing into your life. If you were able to spend enough time with those scriptures, the revelation of your healing We'll go from here to here, and I can remember. I, I wish I had written it down. You know, the, the day that that happened, where I, I, you know, I can remember I was walking the floor and I was just speaking the word and declaring what Jesus had done for me, and that by his stripes I'm healed. And all of a sudden, I, I, I'm not saying it was a magical experience, and all of a sudden I saw rainbows and ponies and unicorns and all that kind of stuff. And the angels were singing and all that. No, it just it dropped from here down to here and became revelation to me and nothing can take that from me. Now, does that mean do you, you never have opportunities to get sick? Yeah, I have opportunities to get sick, but because that thing is down on the inside of me and my faith is established in that, it's easy for me to defend that and to walk in what Jesus has bought and paid for. Let me bring it to another, I'm almost done. 
This is my first closing. I'm allowed seven, okay? How many of you, and you don't have to answer this, but how many of you, after you got born again, you've sinned? Okay, I'll raise my hand for me, all right? All right, if we're all honest, yeah. How many of you, it's your desire to sin less the more you grow in Christ, okay? I think that's all of our desire. Well, guess what? You're going to have to get it down on the inside of you that the grace of God and the blood of Jesus has set you free from the power of sin. And once you get that revelation, guess what? It's going to be hard for that temptation to, to overcome you. Why? Because you got it down here. On, I don't have to sin. I'm not doomed to live a life of sin. I have power over sin through what Jesus has done for me. And guess what? Even though I know that, even though I believe that, that's not enough. When that temptation shows up, I still have to open my mouth and say, no, I'm not doing that. Somebody says, well, I don't know about that. Well, Jesus had to. Are you greater than Jesus? Jesus, when the temptations came in the wilderness, the Bible says he didn't just think. No, he said it with his mouth what was going to happen. Hallelujah. All right, so this is why you have to be mindful of what you believe in your heart and you say with your mouth because if your mouth and your heart get into agreement on something, guess what, brothers and sisters? It's coming to pass. Okay, we'll write this down, last line. God's creative power, and I, won't, I don't know that we fully grasp that, but God's creative ability is released when the heart and the mouth get into agreement on God's word. Hallelujah. Whatever God's word says, um, you need to understand this is more than a book, ink and paper. The Bible says in, Rome, uh, excuse me, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 that the word of God is alive. I don't understand it. I, you know, again, uh, maybe one day I will be able to fully wrap my thinking around this, but that when God speaks, and we have the privilege of having a record of it, when God speaks, there is enough power contained in those words to cause themselves to come to pass. Think of it as a capsule, if you will, like a medication, okay? Might not look like much. But it's got something on the inside of it that when it's released, it works in your body. Well, God's word is the same way. His, his power is encapsulated in every syllable of what he says. And all he needs for that power to get released is for it to get into the heart of a human being and that person believe it and say it with their mouth and when it is repeated, and I'll show this in future sermons, but when it's repeated, it's the same as if God says it. Hallelujah. So I want to just ask you a question. What are you saying over your life? 
What are you speaking over your life? Are you speaking the first things that pop into your head? Are you saying what everybody else says about you? Are you saying what the world says about you? I mean, God forbid a born-again child of God be saying about themselves what the world says about you. You may not be saying what God's saying, but please don't say what they're saying about you, okay? But how about we spend some time and get into the Word of God, find out what God has said, and then get that down on the inside of us. And I double-dog dare you to begin to believe that and to put your words to it and see it come to pass. Amen? So God's creative power is released when your heart and your mouth get into agreement on what God's Word says. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the word that we've heard today. I thank you that the word is alive. I thank you, Father, that it is sharper than a two-edged sword. And Father, I thank you that any person that dares to believe your word, get it down in their hearts, and to say it with their mouths, Father, I thank you, it's impossible for that word not to come to pass. Lord, I just pray for every single person here under the sound of my voice, that first of all, Father, we'll be like the psalmist in that very first scripture that will be, Lord, help me to put a watch over my mouth so I'm mindful of what I'm saying. I'm mindful of what I'm speaking over, not just my life, but my family's lives, my spouse, my, my kids, I, everything about me, everybody at work, Father, all of those things. Help me to understand the power of the words that I am speaking. I pray, Father, that that revelation would get down on the inside of each and every one of us. And I thank you for it. Lord, in Jesus' name, I know, Father, there might be someone here today that, that maybe is not walking with you like they should or need to, Father. And Lord, I'm not going to embarrass anybody or call anybody out. But, Father, I pray right now that you would draw them by your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that you would quicken on the inside of them their need for you. And Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit would minister to them. And Father, I thank you for doing it right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, I want to ask you a question. Maybe you're here today and you're not sure where your relationship with Jesus is. Maybe you've had some church experience in your past. Maybe you know that you have heard and, and maybe believed some things, but you're not sure that you've acted on it. I want to give you an opportunity today to leave here with confidence, knowing I am right with God, that Jesus is the Lord of my life, that I am clean and forgiven by the blood of Jesus, and I have a brand new start in Him. Again, I'm not going to embarrass you, but if that's you here today, I'm just going to invite you to do something for me. I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me. And I'm going to ask all of us to pray this prayer together. But just, if you would, pray this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you today. I need you, Lord. I want you, Lord. And I thank you for the price that Jesus paid for me. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that he was buried. And I believe he was raised from the dead. Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. 
come into my heart, cleanse me of my sin, forgive me of my past, and give me a brand new beginning. Now I ask you, Father, fill me to the full and overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you that today is a day of new beginnings. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.